Well, hello, listeners. How the hell are you? This is Jim doing a solo episode. That's right, it's the first of three. It's me first, then one of the other two, then the other of the other two. And we are doing something quite interesting that I'm actually really looking forward to hearing for once from the other guys. What they're going to do. But before we get into all that, hello, how are you? We're Tuna Boot. We are a, a podcast with just usually three of us, but today it's just me. Uh, we po- we upload our episodes every Tuesday at six o'clock, but of course this week, mega fans will have noticed that it's a little bit late. Excuse me, that is entirely my fault. And uh, the details of which aren't important. I just, I was working later shifts and... I had things to do about the house and I just kind of forgot. Yeah, you know, priorities and all that, you know. Um, but that isn't. Well, I realise I've started listing the things about you in the most in the least interesting order uh, when we <laughs> when when we upload rather than what we upload. Well, basically, we're a podcast which every single week the format changes, in which you think, yeah, well, how how can you sell that to people? Well, you can. Not really, because they don't know what they're tuning in for. Basically, you're saying, whatever it is we're doing that week, we're interesting enough. So tune in. I don't know. Crisis of faith, maybe. Or crisis of confidence, I should say. But anyway, I am, I've am. i got something for you this week. But before we get on to that, we also do uh, sponsors um, every week. I mean, the sponsors don't tend to stick around any longer than a week. And um, the sponsor this week is uh, Charming Peg Statues. They are a company which will can make any kind of statue, but it, it is close to what the original is or your own design. As close to that as they can with wooden pegs. Um, they don't give me a price list. Uh, they don't exist, so... Why would they? But that's our sponsor for the week. Uh, our album recommendation of the week, which is another thing we do. Not always an album, sometimes just a song or a podcast or something. What Once it was a film. Um, but this week we're going to go for the album El Dorado by Marcus King from 2020. Uh, and the song I'd recommend from it is Wildflowers and Wine. And I've got a wee review here by me. Uh, which I've said it is pure, heavy, heartbreaking blues from yet another big hitter from the Easy Eye sound label. Oofed. So, that's our recommendation for the week. And so let's get into the meat of the show, basically what we're doing. And I can't remember if we discussed it on the actual podcast or not, but a year ago, well over a year ago now, Liam challenged us to write a short story, but do it one sentence every day for a year and some of us kept it up some of us didn't, I'll let them Liam, talk about that (laughs) it was your idea man (laughs) and to be fair I did stop doing it for I think about sorry that's that wee fridge clicking off Um, it's fine Uh, I, I, I did stop doing it for I think about a month maybe even like six weeks or something like that. I can't remember how long it was, but I, I dropped the ball for a wee while. Um, and so I had to write, like, yeah, I think it was nearly... No, it wasn't quite 60, I think it was, like, 40-something, so I had to write 40 sentences in one day. And um, 
basically the rules were that you could you have all day to write a sentence, but as soon as it's written, you can't then go back and edit. Excuse me, edit the previous ones. And it turned out to be a very interesting, at times frustrating, but it was it was genuinely quite fascinating to only be able to write one sentence a day. Cause, so you think about that sentence so much, and obviously, the further through you get, the more you've forgotten what you did right to start. So you're like, I so I'm pretty sure I haven't read the whole thing all the way through. You're gonna hear me read the, it from start to finish for the first time, but I'm. But I'm pretty sure that where it started from wasn't exactly how it ended. And as it was going, I was like, right, I know how this is going to end. But then try to plan out the sentences without... Because you can't... Because, I mean, what I could have done is just written 360... Like, a short story that was that could only be 365 sentences. Done that right at the start and then... Not bothered. You know, and then just read it out. Which, you know, might be an interesting thing. I can tell you that we're not going to be doing this exact... <laughs> thing again, no way. Not that, not that I regret it at all. But as I say, it was really interesting. But it's kind of, you know, when you're writing something, you can you get, you get in, you know, you want to get into the groove, and it's actually a lot harder to write, like you know, six, seven, eight words than it is to write, you know, six, seven paragraphs or whatever, because you kind of get into it. So it was an interesting, a very interesting assignment, and so. I think the story kind of goes off the rails, but in a fun way. It's quite sinister, I think. I mean, that was inevitable. But uh, yeah, why don't we, enough preamble, why don't we just get into it and read the story? And then we'll get to hear the other guy's stories over the next two weeks. Alright, sound good. Alright. This short story is called Ding! Written by Jim Rennie in sentence increments over 365 days. Brackets. Not the month and a half that I missed. Close brackets. The magic had left as quickly as it arrived. Two stories up from the woman who once loved him, Justin had hoped the empty hopelessness would have subsided by now. Will it always feel this way? Justin ruminated on this painful thought as he brokenly paced his apartment. Of all the billions of people in the world, he had moved into the building of his soulmate. A few embarrassed smiles as they rode the elevator down was how it started. He was usually so confident and enjoyed talking to new people, yet she tore right through him with those smoky eyes. She stole his voice and poisoned his dreams. This was by far the worst part of his day. He knew that he'd have to take the elevator down and she might get on it. The very bizarre thought that he might try and get her banned from the elevator had crossed his already puzzled mind. Mercifully, she wasn't on it and Justin rode down in temporary peace, knowing that he still had to cross the foyer and get outside. The elevator door opened and he dashed across and out into the sweet New York winter air. The frosty chill fortified him on his brisk walk to work. As he passed others on his sidewalk, he wondered how many of them were actively hiding from ex-lovers. Maybe everyone in Manhattan knew her, in one way or another. In open defiance of tradition, Justin really enjoyed his job as a waiter in a classy Italian restaurant. The darkness and warm intimacy of Leonardo's really made him feel at home, more so than he did in his apartment. 
Serving people and providing a memorable experience gave him a great sense of pride. It did unnerve him to think that she could come in at any time. However, he did not let that potential mar his enjoyment. It was a Tuesday night, which usually meant a relaxing shift. Internally, he begged that Christian wasn't in a mood to pester him about taking the front of house manager job. Just then, just the man I wanted to see. I'm happy where I am, he interrupted. Christian's face dropped in confusion for a second before a series of invisible hooks raised it back up again. You okay, big guy? His scrunched up look of genuine concern made Justin feel sick. Yeah, I thought you were... Never mind, how can I help you? Was just wondering if you could possibly, maybe, by chance, start an hour earlier tomorrow? The fact he had to say maybe in three different ways also made Justin feel queasy. No problem at all. He pushed those words through a grimaced hole in his face at Christian's clawing aura. Christian being the assistant manager was the only downside. He wasn't a bad manager to work for, but his mere presence was enough to make the hairs on your back bristle. Approaching the end of his shift, things were shaping up well. All the customers were pleasant and generous with their tips. There were a few jolts of fear when people came in that looked like her, but he had learned how to perfectly mask that particular panic. There was something almost satisfying about being jovial on the outside and bitter on the inside. That feeling of knowing a secret, even if the secret is he couldn't afford to move away from a person that he loves, but who now hates him. As the last table finished up, Justin was running through a few mental checkpoints he had to make before he could go home. Did he freak out at any point that day? No. Did he lock himself in the staff room and cry? No. Did he smile at every customer? Yes. Did he find a moment to appreciate how lucky he is generally in life? Yes, he did. So overall, it had been a good day. He got his stuff together, said goodnight to the colleagues he passed and made his way heavily into the night. It was too late to see him moving and he didn't relish the idea of sitting in a bar by himself. It was back to the apartment which meant Justin had to go through the same series of thoughts he had almost every night. He needed to move out, but he was only a few years away from paying off his apartment. He needed more money, but the front of house manager job meant he would lose the comfort and joy his current position offered him this being his only solace. This was one of modern life's little chasms. He cursed himself for being so attached to these things. Instead of being able to proclaim, screw it, whilst running off into the woods to live on coconut water and telling the time with just the sun and a stick. Rounding the corner on his block, Justin could now see his apartment building. He wondered why the fear didn't hit him until he was in the lobby. When the panic was strong, he occasionally took the stairs, However, he was feeling lucky tonight, so he would treat himself to an elevator ride. The eerie quiet of the lobby was quite exciting. Instead of his typical fevered rush, he took long, deliberate strides, enjoying the echo each footstep made. He pushed the button and waited. The, the doors would part and she'd be standing there. It was so obvious that it would happen. You don't have to wait for the stairs. The stairs are always ready. He took his cell phone out of his pocket in readiness to make a pretend call. Ding! The doors opened and Justin was greeted with warm emptiness. The ride up to his floor was spent wondering about the potential negative effects of excitement at being alone, something which he was quite used to by now. 
She had got all the friends in a separation, and Justin took to solitude with alarming ease. The apartment was pretty rudimentary, but he loved the view. Nothing special, just the edge of the opposite building and the parallel street, but you could see some of the skyline. After getting showered, Justin looked around his apartment and wondered, if he died, what would the police officers think of him? Would the apartment say anything about him? The small open-plan living room and kitchen had little to no pictures on the wall. One painting of a man in a boat struggling with his oars against crashing waves. He had bought it at a goodwill for the frame. He was going to give her a poster in the frame before everything went bad. Instead it hung in the middle of the short front hall which was flanked by the bedroom and the small bathroom. Every now and then he'd stand in there looking at it, wondering if it meant anything. A quick browse around a bookshelf and TV unit showed a very random selection of books, music and films, none of which he actively accumulated. Most of them gifts from people who didn't really know what to get him. What would you get, Justin? he thought. And which of these cultural artefacts would he use to pass the time tonight? It wasn't that Justin did not enjoy anything. He just didn't have any outward passions. If she asked, what would you like to do tonight? He'd always reply, whatever you like. If this was his only flaw, then maybe things could have been okay. It was a trait that Justin was aware of and he understood how it could cause irritation. But you can't for pa- But you can't force passion. You can only discover it. It will sneak up on you, stab you in the back and claw your heart out. Justin plumped for a crime thriller that he had read before but he couldn't remember the ending. A hard drinking detective is called in to solve the murder of the president's daughter. The president and a detective had known each other at high school and had fallen out over a woman who the president later married. That would be awkward, Justin thought. Then he pondered, Would the detective be kind of happy that the daughter was murdered? Meaning that he and his old friend could patch things up by using his detective skills. His eyes moved away from the page and fixed it on his reflection in the TV. There was absolutely no sound in the room and none coming in from the street. Fear filled the space. Like nothing he had ever experienced before and he caught himself wondering if God was trying to speak to him. The moment passed, but it left him bolted to the couch. Afraid to move in case he disturbed something, he shifted his gaze back to the book in time to read a passage about the president finding the detective in a dive bar and talking him out of another scotch. The book did eventually distract him, but that feeling lingered like smoke from a blown-out candle. Justin took the stairs the next day, He arrived at Leonardo's two hours before his scheduled shift. Justin, hey, wasn't expecting you for another hour? The longer Christian's pauses got, the tighter Justin's fist clenched in his pocket. Was it not an extra two hours you needed? Justin asked, knowing the answer. It was just the hour. Do you want to come back or... Christian purred irritatingly. I can use the money if you want me to work straight through. Sure, all hands on deck. Christian walked away with a smile that Justin could see through the back of his head. Thank God he could start a few hours earlier, he thought. An extra hour out of the apartment. He spent the shift trying to think of hobbies he could get into. Some form of activity that he could do away from his place. Another waiting job, maybe? Later in the evening, Justin took his usual walk during his break. 
Helen was smoking in the alleyway when he returned and warm dread washed through him. What a night, right? Helen said with flat enthusiasm, which Justin had always trouble. Which Justin always had trouble understanding. It sure is. The second after this response was agonising. Sure is was definitely a phrase he had heard other people using. You know it. So many assholes tonight. Relief replaced the dread for a few seconds. Helen always said there were arseholes in whether there were or not. Justin had picked up on that. She used this method of saying the job was bad in order to establish rapport. Justin had to hide his love for the work whenever he conversed with her. Yeah, the job would be a hell of a lot easier without them. Damn right. Helen stamped out her cigarette on her way back in. Justin froze as he realised there wouldn't be a job if there weren't any customers. He had gotten away with it, though. The rest of the shift passed as blissfully as it could. Leonardo's had been full of grateful diners who had really enjoyed their food and experience. The joy his colleagues showed for the shift being over unsettled Justin, yet he feigned the same joy to avoid being outcast as a job-loving freak. Could he borrow the money he needed to buy out the apartment? Could he rent somewhere even smaller, get extra shifts and pay rent and his mortgage at the same time? Could he build a fire if he absolutely had to? Rounding the corner on his block, he saw his apartment building. A figure walked from the other direction towards the building. Definitely a woman, wearing a large woolen hat so hair colour could not be identified. Was that her walk? Screw it! As if blessed by the gods, a bus was slowing down to a stop on the street. He got on, pouring almost all the loose change he had into the slot and sat down. The driver yelled something at him but he drove off anyway. The woman had entered the building. This was madness. With nothing better to do, Justin stayed on the bus for half an hour, then walked back. He had noticed people with headphones laughing on the bus. Maybe he could get some headphones, get something to listen to and just take endless bus journeys. What would he do once he had the money to move? Get another job and just work? Once back on his street, he stood across the road from the building and waited. He was grateful that he felt quite tired, which meant he could go straight to sleep. He decided to stand out in the cold for another half hour just to make sure he was shivering and exhausted. The waves are relentless, looming over him high enough to block out the moon which bleeds across the sky. The tiny boat is being thrown as if the current is sweeping it away with a giant arm, the oars bending against the current. All hope is lost. The next day was a day off. Justin deliberately burned his eggs twice so he would have to clean the pan and start over. This meant that once breakfast was done, he was half an hour closer to being done with the day. Off days usually meant a trip to the zoo. However, when Justin tested the temperature of the day by putting an arm out of the window, he decided it was too cold. He liked it when it was too cold to go out, because it meant he could justify staying in. He hated spending time in the apartment, not working, but he liked avoiding the stairs in the elevator more. Was there a system for knowing whether she was in or not? If so, he could just stay in his apartment. Yet, he still wanted to move away to another state, just so there'd be absolutely no chance of bumping into her. It was one of the only two solutions he knew. The second solution was something he spent almost all of his time trying to avoid considering.
The detective was struggling to focus on an interrogation since he drained his flask a few hours ago. The suspect is released and Justin remembers it was him that did it. Finished the book anyway? No. He tossed the book back on the shelf and felt nothing towards the other distractions in his apartment. It was too early to start cooking dinner. This was his nightmare. He knew that spending too long with just his thoughts was a surefire path to oblivion on an aimless day like this. How did the suspect kill the daughter? He picked the book up and read at double pace. The hotel the president's daughter was staying in was guarded. The killer posed as a delivery driver and handed a package to the daughter's room. A guard had taken the package downstairs to be scanned and he waited in the elevator for her. The killer had disabled the cameras in the elevator. There were no cameras in the elevator in this building. The perfectly silent, rising hot fear felt like it was lifting him out of his body. This time he let the panic in. Let it take him over. If fear kept him locked in his apartment, maybe consuming the fear would free him. Justin stood up, closed his eyes and tilted his head back. God did not speak to him. Not after the thoughts he had just had. This did not matter. He felt the oars gliding through the water with ease. For the first time in a long time he saw clearly. Where to start? The plan began poorly. Justin followed a mail delivery person for a few hours until they had finished their route, stalking them from far away, giddy with excitement. Then frustration hit like a horse kicked to the face when he lost them. Why would knocking a delivery person out and taking their uniform help? He didn't have any presidential bodyguards to distract. He cursed himself for wasting so much time. Justin realised with the slightest jolts of anticipation that there was a bookstore not too far from here. Studying the titles of the various sections in the store brought a slight dizzy headache on. He was searching for the sequel to the book he hadn't finished for half an hour before realising that he wasn't there for that. He needed a book with answers to his predicament. The science section was no help whatsoever. There were far too many fascinating books about birds and the pile of open books at his feet was starting to attract worried glances. Soon a staff member who looked like her was called over. Anyone but you! I'm sorry, could you please leave? Justin nodded and obliged happily. It wasn't her. She was never that short. Justin choked on the winter air and roadblocks rose up monolithically in his mind. Could he just go back and try to sleep? He didn't want to go back to the apartment until he'd fully prepared. Inspiration struck like a steel hammer on an anvil. The walk to Leonardo's rinsed the leech-like worry clamped to Justin's overheated brain. When he greeted Christian, it was his own face that was pulled up into a hideous, broad grin. Christian! I want to be front of house manager. Any chance of training me? You okay there, buddy? Christian replied through a confused chortle. I know you'd like me to be front of house manager. I'd like to be trained. Right now. At that moment, Helen passed through the restaurant. I love my job! Justin shouted to the room. Do you want to come and have a seat through the back? Positively, definitely. Justin said and strode through to the manager's office with glee. 
Christian pointed to the chair and waited for Justin to sit down before he perched himself on the desk. Are you okay? You don't seem... like... yourself? Justin registered that this would normally irritate him to his core. Yet at that moment his attention was firmly fixed at a pair of scissors sitting on the desk between he and Christian. He knew that he needed to pick them up so that Christian would not kill him. I'm fine as dandy can be, friendo. This was not going to placate him. Justin kicked a trash can over towards the door, away from him. Oh, come on, man. Christian bent down to clear up the mess and Justin pocketed the scissors. Relief replaced all of his feelings, both physically and mentally. A pale calm detached him from the heat of his brain and sanctuary was quietly found. Christian must have been observing Justin for some time as his expression has went from concern through anger and now to dumbfounded. Justin could not stop smiling. He was not about to be stabbed to death with scissors. Such a simple pleasure to embrace in. The faintest of voices from the bottom pole of his psyche whispered up to him that he might not be behaving correctly. Is there someone I could call, Justin? I think it should be with family or friends. No family. She got all the friends. Thank you, though. This situation was out with Christian's expertise. This was not a scenario he could smile his way out of. The life-affirming, the life-affirming euphoria was wearing off rapidly in Justin. A headache started to bulge, and unintelligible thoughts got louder and more incomprehensible. This feeling was really starting to ruin what was already a shit day for Justin. I'll be right back. Christian smiled and left the room with the buck, hoping to hand it off. Justin took the approach that was the most immediate, but not the most practical. He stuffed himself, he stuffed himself through the small window in the office and landed in a ragged thorn bush. I have had quite enough of this, Justin exclaimed as he twisted himself painfully out of the bush. He did not recognise the street he was on. He realised with a deafening fury that he had never even explored past the other side of this block. Walk to work. Walk home. Wait for work. His life was as tragic as it was pathetic as it was pointless. Multiple slivers of blood lurked across his face as he stomped his way through various streets and alleys he had never seen. The stinging in his skin reflected the jagged agony of his spent life so far. He wanted so desperately to achieve something, to fulfil a dream, to live a life, yet he had no hook to hang this new metaphorical coat onto. No sense of how to express meaning from his vacuum of an existence. Excuse me, young lady, how do you find meaning? Get lost, creep! The young lady in question scoffed and hurried away. She would never have scoffed and walked away. Well, she walked away, as it were, but with a hint more grace. But what did she take with her? Justin pounded his way back to his apartment building with a slumped submission. Fine. If this was how it was meant to be, then great. As the walk home dragged on and on, Justin lifted his head up to the clouds. A winter sun was working hard to be seen. It must have been three o'clock in the afternoon. He was pleased to have worked it out just by the sun. And he didn't bother to check if he was right. That day, it did not matter how much time he had gotten rid of. He could enjoy this time. 
The anticipation was harmonious but not overwhelming, enough to quell the radiation in his brain. Deep breaths filled his lungs with soothing cold air. He rounded the corner of his block and approached the apartment building as if gliding on silky air. If he happened to see her before his plan had terminated, that wouldn't be so bad. It could go whichever way it wanted to go. Justin had no battle with the details of fate. He did have a tacit agreement. He did have a tacit agreement with fate, however. He stood at the door to the building and let the ghosts of his past self walk through him, their wasted lives somehow giving the present Justin more strength, a further clarity of vision. He pushed a button for her apartment and waited for the buzz which came pleasingly quickly. Excuse me, ma'am. You have a package waiting for you downstairs. The foyer seemed vastly smaller than it had done before. Justin enjoyed the echoes of his footsteps before he stood at the elevator door and listened to the dull hum. The closer to the ground the elevator got, the higher Justin soared. He clutched the scissors tightly in his pocket. Ding! The elevator door opened and she was greeted with a bloody smile. Good night.